Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Partners in Health and Biz with your host, Gail Dixon. Tune in every Saturday, 9 a.m. for great shows about obtaining and maintaining health, business, and finance. Learn from the experts here at PIHradio.net. And now, broadcasting from the Partners in Health and Biz studio, here's Gail. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to my show. You are listening to Partners in Health and Biz on the PIH Radio Network. And, yes, I'm Gail Dixon McBride. So happy, happy, happy that you could join us. Um, And hopefully you had a peaceful, relaxing Christmas Day celebration yesterday, even if it was just with your immediate family lives with you to stay safe. Uh, That's certainly what I did. Um, I had a wonderful time. My husband and I uh, celebrated Christmas together. My sister the day before had brought over some food, and I had cooked. I cooked, and I delivered the food to my parents in D.C., um, social distanced, and um, brought them their Christmas dinner, turkey and stuffing and collard greens and carrots and uh, Broccoli, pasta, salad, and uh, we just, uh, cranberry sauce, and we just had a wonderful time. My dad was so excited, he couldn't wait. He started eating his food Christmas Eve. (laughs) So anyway, I certainly hope you had a peaceful, relaxing, and blessed Christmas day as you continue to celebrate the uh, birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. So, yes, we know that uh, he wasn't born actually on December 25th, but the point is that he was the Lord and Savior. He was born, and we want to celebrate that, and we continue to celebrate that. That's the reason for the season, not the presents, not the food but to remember and be thankful and to, you know, have your family and friends time. So uh, today's show, if you have been to the website, you know today's show is the ultimate lifestyle for a healthy brain. We are into part three this morning. Wait, let me see. Okay. Uh, yes, we are into part three of this six-part series. And uh, we do want you to uh, participate. If you have questions or comments, I I welcome those questions and comments this morning. The number is 347-945-7433, 347-945-7433. Press 1 if you have a question or a comment. And you don't have to do anything if you just want to continue to listen to the show. So 5.3 million, wow, what is that number? 5.3 million is, according to the Alzheimer's Association, that's how many of our nation's populace currently has Alzheimer's disease. Wow, this is a shocking number by any measure. But let's take a moment to think about brain health across the whole continuum. Continuum. If brain health exists on a spectrum, Alzheimer's and dementia lurking at one end and at the other end is the perfect brain, (laughs) a state of complete mental clarity in which no one resides, 
You all, we all at some point have some type of fogginess going on, no matter how young or old we may be. But if there was a proven way to move just one tick closer toward that state of complete mental clarity, what would that mean to the Alzheimer's sufferer and to the rest of us? So today, 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 join me, your host, Gail Dixon McBride, as we continue to discuss the ultimate lifestyle for a healthy brain, part three of our six-part series. So where we left off last Saturday, we had discussed quite a few uh, sections of this trying to help make sure we maintain and obtain and maintain a healthy brain. So now we're going to talk about the toxins. How can toxins affect your brain? Well, we are starting to see a clear picture, a very clear picture that we are surrounded by toxins. And and most everything that is toxic to our bodies will eventually affect our most complex organ, right, our brain. Pesticides like DDT, which is still in our environment, are much higher in the brains of people with Alzheimer's. Besides, yes, that's why so many people are, uh, and, and your talk show host, uh, health and wellness consultant, we recommend, if at all possible, that you eat organic, organic foods that are not filled with pesticides. Pesticides, again, like DDT, which is still in our environment, are much higher in the brains of people with Alzheimer's. Although there are genetic risks to getting the disease, these do not explain the high prevalence of Alzheimer's today, and scientists are concerned that modern toxins like DDT are a big factor. Yes. What else? Aluminum. How many of you are using, still using that aluminum foil? Ooh, yes, I know. I know you didn't know, did you? Well, I'm here to explain this to you. Well, aluminum is another toxin that has been associated with Alzheimer's for decades, for decades. And the more research is done on the subject, the more it appears that the two are linked. Throw out your aluminum foil, people. Do not use it. Obvious aluminum sources are and include aluminum pots and pans, antiperspirants that have the aluminum, antacids, vaccines, aluminum foil, and soda or food cans. So when you think about it, you look in your pantry, you look look and see what you have there. You look in your bathroom, test your um, deodorant, check it, read it, see if it has aluminum in it, throw it out. There are... Uh, deodorants on the market, antiperspirants as well. Tom's has a, a brand with no aluminum. Even some of the well-known uh, deodorants, per, antiperspirants, now have been mac- manufactured without aluminum. The aluminum pots and pans, again, the aluminum foil, the soda cans. Oh, yes, I don't drink sodas any longer, but every now and then I do have a taste for a soda, once maybe once or twice a year. Um, but look for the uh, non-aluminum type, if there are any. But you can search out. Maybe you just do the bottles. The bottles. Toxins called nitro, nitrosamines, nitrosamines, which come from meats cooked at high temperatures, have also been linked to Alzheimer's. The common use of nitro, nitrogen-containing compounds, 
nitrites and nit- nitrates and nitrites as preservatives. That's another thing that I've been uh, talking to my listeners and warning you about, that these meats that you buy at the grocery store, these lunch meat type meats, um, and these bacons and sausages, if they don't say uh, that they're have they're, they've eliminated nitrates and nitrites, or if it has on the package that these meats contain nitrates and nitrites, do not those do not buy those. Do not buy those. Those have been linked to cancer as well as Alzheimer's disease affecting the brain. Those are preservatives that are chemicals, along with cooking methods, grilling. I know a lot of you want a grill masters, especially in the summertime. Uh, but grilling, you have to be careful that grilling binds the nitrogen to amino acids and protein foods and is causing more stress on our bodies. This stress to our arterial lining, the endothelium, increases our insulin resistance and thus Alzheimer's. And, and Actually, anything that damages the capillaries or microcirculation can reduce brain volume, especially white matter. Then there's fluoride toxicity. The pineal gland located just behind your forehead is where the melatonin is made, and this gland is sensitive to fluoride, collecting more than any other part of the body. All after, And you can buy all types of toothpaste. Tom's has uh a toothpaste that's um, devoid of fluoride. And then there's a cinnamon toothpaste that I use, and I don't have the, it's red, I don't have the product in front of me. But if you email me, I will be more than happy to tell you about this. They recommend, it's recommended that you don't use the mint toothpaste at night because it can stimulate some type of salvatory action in your mouth, and it can actually keep you from sleeping well. So I don't use the mint toothpaste. I use the mint toothpaste during the day, but when I brush after dinner and everything before I go to bed, I use a cinnamon toothpaste. So anyway, um, after too much fluoride, the pineal glands calcify, which has an obvious impact on the production of melatonin and in turn your ability to sleep. To some extent, pineal gland calcification is a normal part of aging, but it's also been linked to Alzheimer's or Alzheimer's and other diseases. Uh, So where do you get fluoride from? Antidepressant drugs like Prozac, one-third fluoride by weight, fluoride-based antibiotics like Cipro, cooking with Teflon, and, of course, it's added to our water supply. Even air pollution has been studied and found to increase Alzheimer's. Besides taking normal precautions to avoid unnecessary exposure to toxins, good nutrition is how our bodies clean themselves. So let's talk about, and then you'll say, well, what about genetics? Um, Alzheimer's disease runs in my family, so how does genetics affect whether or not I will get it? Well, the APOE gene deals with cholesterol production and transport, and it's called a risk factor gene because a certain variation of it increases a person's risk of developing cardiovascular disease and Alzheimer's. 
approximately 14% of the Caucasian population and 19% of African descent have the APOE4 version. Here's the thing. Just because the two are associated does not mean that APOE4 causes Alzheimer's. People get Alzheimer's who have a different strain of APOE, and there are people with POEE4 who don't get Alzheimer's at all. It simply means that the risk may be greater, especially with certain other factors added. So scientists are beginning to realize that it's really a combination of multiple genes. Yes, multiple genes, lifestyle, and stressors that cause disease, just like it's not a single gene, but a combination of many genes and lifestyle factors, diet, exercise, etc., that give someone NBA basketball height. Diseases are caused by a combination of genes sometimes thousands of them working in concert with epigenic factors, outside influences like diet, exercise, chemicals, smoking, certain nutrients or stress, and that that turn those genes on or off. So just because you have a genetic predisposition to possibly um, getting Alzheimer's disease does not mean you have to get it. There are other, like I said, factors that will uh add to the equation. So this is why people, even in the same family, will not all have the same health issues. For example, for my family, my mom and my dad, they both have um, health issues. They have uh, diabetes and high blood pressure, high cholesterol, Um, but it has not been passed on to my siblings. None of us have those health issues, Um, and thank God for that. But we do practice other things such as exercise, eating properly, um, and, you know, getting our sleep and rest and those type of things. All of that, your lifestyle, can, it, it, it really affects whether or not you are going to go over the edge and be like your parents and inherit some of those diseases that they have. So it's also why genetic testing for Alzheimer's is not recommended. Regardless of what your genes say or don't say, they are steps to take to prevent and reverse cognitive decline. So we're going to discuss easily reversible causes of dementia in a minute. But right now we're going to hear a word from one of our sponsors. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Let's be creative with Carrie. Caricatures by Carrie, available for weddings, parties, anniversaries, corporate events, and more. Children's book authors, superheroes, and cartoon illustrators, logo and graphic designer. Contact Carrie for your customized creations. Caricatures by Carrie at gmail.com. Connect on Twitter and Instagram with hashtag CaricatureCarrie and check him out. www.carriegjohnsondraws.com. And we are back. You're listening to Partners in Health and Biz on the PIH Radio Network. I'm your host, Gail Dixon-McBride. So very happy you could join me this morning. And the topic, the ultimate lifestyle for a healthy brain. We are into part three of this six-part series. Uh, So let's talk about the easily reversible causes of dementia. 
Before moving on, it's worth noting that there are four easily reversible causes of dementia. Number one, hypothyroidism. What is that? A deficiency in the ability of the thyroid to produce important hormones. So you need to, if you're having some dementia-like symptoms and you're like, I don't really think I'm I'm having dementia or early Alzheimer's, or just go to your doctor right away, have them test your thyroid. Vitamin B deficiency. Maybe you're deficient in certain vitamins that can uh, mimic certain uh, types of dementia symptoms. Vitamin B deficiency, we'll talk about that more later on, maybe in another uh, segment. Lyme disease, yes, Lyme disease is a tick-borne bacterial illness that causes inflammation and neurological problems. Don't stress, this is why we have to go to the doctor and be tested. Maybe you were in the woods, maybe a tick bit you. Lyme disease. Okay, people who spend a lot of time in tall grasses and heavily heavily wooded areas are at higher risk. Maybe you're a fisherman. You like to fish and you tromp, tromp through the woods and, and you didn't have on your long pants or whatever. Or maybe you went blackberry picking in the woods and you were bit, bitten by a tick. Uh, symptoms may include joint pain, numb or weak limbs, depression, partial facial paralysis, fatigue, and more, symptoms of Lyme disease that can also mimic causes of dementia. Reversible. These are all reversible causes because it's really not, or maybe it caused the dementia, but it's reversible. Neurosyphilis, oh, my gosh, yes, the result of syphilis left untreated. That's why you need to go. You've been messing around. You've been out there in the world. Maybe you've changed your life. Your life has been changed. You found the Lord, whatever, and now you're not into those type of uh, loose lifestyles. Uh, but at one point in your life, you were. Maybe you didn't know your partner had some type of disease that was passed on to you. You were supposed to go get yourself checked out. And if you let it go over years and never got yourself checked out, the result of syphilis left untreated for many years, at which point the disease spreads to the brain and spinal cord. This is serious, folks. You have to pay pay attention and be aware. All people with memory difficulties should get tested for thyroid function, B12 deficiency, as these are easily detectable and easily reversible. The other two should be tested as well if there are risk factors involved. Okay, so the first two were the hypothyroidism, the vitamin B deficiency, the Lyme disease, and the neuro, and the last two were the Lyme disease and the neurosyphilis. Okay, so let's move on to your brain on drugs. Now, there may have been, when you were younger, a lot of you, my listeners, did delve into uh, different types of drugs when you were younger. Maybe you still are young and are delving. Uh, not my listeners, I know, because we're into health and wellness. But maybe in the past you were doing drugs. Did you know that prescription, any type of drugs, prescription drugs, uh, uh, not only prescription drugs, there were there are prescription drugs that cause these problems. Uh, so maybe you're on prescription drugs and not those um what do you call it, those uh, fun, uh, I don't even know 
illicit drugs, illegal drugs, yes. So did you know that prescription drugs could actually be a cause of memory loss or other cognitive deficits? Yes. There are tons of drugs out there that alter neurotransmitters, which cause problems with brain health sooner and later. There are drugs that can deplete B vitamins, and there are others too. So it might not be you who is declining mentally. Your medications could be at fault. Now, before we go any further, it's important to reiterate that you should never stop taking prescription medications without the express recommendation of your doctor. That's right. That can be more detrimental to your health than the actual actual side effects if you just suddenly stop taking your medication. Never do that. If you're on one of these medications and you think it could be having a negative effect, talk to your doctor and see what alternatives are available. For example, my dad, was they had him on a uh, lengthy cocktail of, of uh, prescription drugs for his different uh, health illnesses. And he was having all types of crazy side effects and his legs were swelling and he had um, he had uh, different pains and and they changed his medication. They thought he they said they thought he had dementia, Alzheimer's. But once they changed his medication, guess what? His symptoms resided, resided. They went away. He he lost weight. He, he was able to walk. His, the swelling in his legs went down. Um, he was able to breathe better. Uh, so um, his thinking was clear, yes. So these medications can really wreak havoc on your brain. Antidepressants. How many of you are on, on any type of antidepressants or know someone? Well, there are several different classes of antidepressants. The ones that seem to be the worst for memory function are tricyclic antidepressants, which include Sinequan, Tofranil, Elevil and Pamelor, Vivisaltal, and Anafromal. And I'm mispronouncing these, but there are a host of them. These drugs are anticholinergic, meaning they that they interfere with the most important neurotransmitters for thinking. Just over half of people taking these drugs will experience loss of concentration, about 35% will say they have memory impairment. So what I need you to do is if you are on an antidepressant, to, um, I want you to Google some of your medications and see what those, those side effects may be because those side effects may be causing you to have memory impairment. Yes. So uh, before you freak out and think that, you know, this is something horrible, you'll never – your memory is going to get worse and it never will be reversible. First, do your research and then talk to your doctor. For the record, you don't need to have depression to be prescribed tricyclic antidepressants, eating disorders, chronic pain, menstrual cramps, obsessive compulsive disorder, and even hormonal issues like hot flashes can spur your doctor to prescribe these medications. Okay, let's move on to diabetes. Medications. Of course, we've already talked about how diabetics can lead, diabetes can lead to dementia, but some of the medications that reduce blood glucose cause cognitive decline all on their own. 
Metaformin, M-E-T-F-O-R-M-I-N, is one example, ostensibly by causing B12 and other vitamin deficiencies. Yes, these medications can cause vitamin deficiencies that can cause you to have these symptoms of uh, dementia and uh, Alzheimer's. Cholesterol-lowering medications. Yes, statins are notorious for causing severe memory loss. There are different types of statins on the market, such as Zorcor, Crestor, Lipitor, Pravacol, and Lescol. These drugs work by lowering the amount of cholesterol that is produced in the body. Yes, they do, but they also cause these uh, side effects. Although your doctor may think this is vital, there are some serious ramifications. For example, cholesterol is used in your body as a precursor compound for different hormones and even for a chemical your body synthesizes called dolichol. Is essential for your memory, but it doesn't get created when cholesterol synthesis is blocked. Cholesterol is also important for the connections between nerve cells. One University of California San Diego study surveyed 171 patients between the ages of 34 and 86 years old to discover how frequently memory and cognitive problems resulted after taking statins. Guess what? 75% of them experienced negative changes in cognitive functioning. 84% of them stopped statin statin therapy, and 90% of them reported an improvement in their brain functioning within two and a half weeks. Some patients who had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia had their diagnosis reversed. When 19 patients started up on statins again, the same cognitive deficit showed up. Wow. All right, what about drugs to reduce blood pressure? Well, beta blockers are commonly prescribed for congestive heart failure, arrhythmia, high blood pressure, and fast heart rate, as well as migraines and angina. Lopressa, Topro, Corex. Just to name a few are some of the more common ones. These drugs cause memory problems by preventing the neurotransmitters epipherine and norepipherine from retrieving memory, especially in patients who already have some cognitive decline. What about Parkinson's medications? Well, as a disease of the brain, Parkinson's is treated with many medications and alter the production or elimination of neurotransmitters. There are drugs that increase dopamine, narcotic painkillers. The list of narcotics is quite long. Uh, Narcotics are derived from opium, which acts on the nervous system by stopping your emotional reaction to pain and interrupting the flow of pain signals, making you sleepy and unresponsive to the pain. The pain is still there, but you become unable to care about it. Steroids, cortisone, prednisone, and anything else ending with own are the bad guys. Steroids reduce inflammation using the body's stress response, and your brain experiences the same thing as when you are in the most stressful situation of your life, except that the chemicals, steroids, are even more intense than your body can actually make itself. Antibiotics. Antibiotics. We all 
already talked about the fact that antibiotics cause inflammation, which is a possible cause of dementia. But there's a particularly nasty class of antibiotics on the market called fluoroquinolones, which deserve special attention. Okay, so these reactions of the central nervous system are common with people, self-reporting memory loss, psychosis, and other illness, other issues like pain, tingling, numbness, anxiety, dizziness, and more. So antihistamines can cause brain um, symptoms to mimic dementia and uh, Alzheimer's uh, symptoms. Benzodiazepines, benzodiapines, anti-seizure medications, sleeping pills, Ambien, Lunesta, Sonata make you sleepy, which may be good to a point, but when you have amnesia, when you have amnesia or can't remember where you're driving, it's less than ideal. Uh, so drugs for incontinence, overactive bladder is common in the elderly and is treated with Embolex, Deltrol. Uh, these drugs work to stop um, certain chemicals from acting in the body by by learning and memory, but learning and your memory, it affects your learning and your memory. So next Saturday we're going to discuss when you should get tested to see if you may be having uh, actual dementia or Alzheimer's. When should I get tested? So make sure to tune in next Saturday for part four of Partners in Health and Biz. We are out of time, and I certainly hope you have uh, received valuable information. Questions can be emailed to me, goldenvoicesunlimited at gmail.com. Until next Saturday, everyone, stay healthy and business savvy. I'm your host, Gail Dixon McBride. Have a blessed day, everyone. Ta-ta for now.